and welcome to The Budget Mouse, a podcast that will help you have an incredible Walt Disney World vacation, even if you're on a shoestring budget. I'm Leah, the blogger behind The Budget Mouse and The Frugal South. I visit Disney World several times each year and have tons of tricks for doing Disney on the cheap. I want you to have the incredible vacation you deserve. So I'm sharing all of my tricks with you on my sites and here in the podcast. This week's show includes the story behind The Budget Mouse and answers to some reader questions. So let's dive in. You see, the most fantastic, magical things can happen, and it all starts with a wish. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 37. I'm celebrating one year of podcasting here, so I thought it might be a good time to tell you how the Budget Mouse came into being. I guess you could call it the origin story of this site and podcast. First, thanks to every single one of you who listens to the show and reads my posts over at thebudgetmouse.com. I checked the show's stats, which I rarely do. And the show has over 10,000 listens last month alone, which is just incredible to me. So the origin story starts way back in 1986 when a seven-year-old Leah visited Walt Disney World for the first time with my dad and sister. I was mesmerized, particularly of Future World in Epcot and meeting Robin Hood, the Fox version at Magic Kingdom. And there are pictures of that still floating around somewhere in my family. We flew from Ohio. I'm from Akron originally. And I remember my sister having a meltdown at the airport because she was only five years old and we weren't going to be able to sit together on the airplane and the two of us got put in first class I remember it vividly and it's still the only time I've flown in first class I visited again I visited Walt Disney World again with my mom and stepdad a few years later and my grandparents had then retired in Florida and this time I was prepared because I had somehow gotten my hands on a very early edition of the unofficial guide to Walt Disney World book I think it was probably from the library and I researched our trip and had suggestions and a touring plan in place when I was about 10 years old so I felt like I was doing something a bit naughty since the guidebook was unofficial and not endorsed by Disney World. So (laughs) I had the chance to visit a few more times in high school. I don't remember much about those trips, except that I got a stomach bug and was sick the entire 20-hour bus trip back to Ohio on my last trip in high school. And now we have to fast forward to 2010. I took quite a break from Walt Disney World in my adult life. And um, at the time, I was living in North Carolina, where I live now with my husband. I was a full-time PhD student in education. And I decided I wanted to finally go back to Walt Disney World and share it with my husband. I took advantage of a free dining offer back in 2010 um, for December. And I dove headfirst into planning my first Disney trip as an adult. We were able to spend five nights at Pop Century with a standard dining plan and park tickets for under a thousand dollars which was all I could afford at the time as a grad student but we had the best time so I quickly discovered that I was way more interested in researching Disney World than in educational research for my PhD so I returned to public school classroom teacher teaching I've got about 10 years as a middle grades classroom teacher under my belt and um, two years later our daughter was born So at the time, we were Disney World annual pass holders and DVC members, and I was still teaching full time. I was exhausted and having a rough time having an infant daughter and teaching full time. My husband had a great offer to work full time, and we decided we were going to make the rather scary dive into me being a full time mom and living on one income. Our daughter was about a year old at the time, so things were very, very tight. 
like goodbye DBC, sold it to make ends meet. There was literally no wiggle room in our budget, but we decided that having a parent at home with our daughter full-time was worth it. So at the time I followed some blogs about frugal living and saving money as a stay-at-home mom, and I felt a desperate need for a creative outlet. I was going a bit crazy as a stay-at-home mom. In October of 2014, I decided to start a blog as a hobby and to share how we were living well on a tight budget. I included a post about how I managed to still get us to Disney World at least once a year, mostly through points and miles I earned through credit cards that I used to pay for our groceries and bills. So I blogged as a hobby with virtually no traffic for two and a half years, y'all. I wrote in the mornings before my daughter woke up and at her nap time, and this was very part-time. Sometimes weeks went by without any posts. But two and a half years then, I finally started getting some traffic. It was right before I was about to give up. And it was mostly my posts about Disney World, Particularly, I had a Disney dining plan post that started to take off and do really well. I was making a tiny bit of money at that point, and I decided then at some point in 2017 that I was going to treat this as a business instead of a hobby and really try to make some significant income with it. I just really believed there was potential there to make at least a side income that would supplement my husband's income. So I'm going to fast forward to now, two years later. Um, I've been making a full-time income more than I made as a teacher for over a year, and it continues to exceed my wildest expectations. I started the Budget Mouse over a year ago because it allowed me to have all of my Disney content in one place. And so my original blog was The Frugal South, and now I have two, The Frugal South and The Budget Mouse. So having a Disney-focused blog allowed me to have a Disney Instagram account, podcast, and the Facebook group. And it's allowed me, this this income has allowed me to homeschool our now kindergarten-aged daughter, and we're part of an incredible homeschool community in our area, which is around Chapel Hill in Durham in North Carolina. At this point, I visit Walt Disney World four to five times each year, and I travel many other places. This is only possible because of homeschooling. I work about 10 or 15 hours a week, mostly very early in the morning, think 5 a.m. wake-ups, and while my daughter is in the classes she takes during the week. So the most common question I get asked about my job, which is a bizarre job, I have to admit, is how do I actually make money? So 60 to 70 percent of my income is ad revenue. It's based on page views and clicks to the ads on my site. And the rest is made up of a variety of sources from affiliate programs, such as when I recommend something to my readers. If that reader clicks a link on my site and ends up making a purchase, then I get a small commission from that at no cost to readers and from referrals and other smaller sources of income. So blogging has completely changed my life. I'm so lucky to be able to create content from home, spend lots of time with my family, and travel for work, which is what I've always loved to travel. But I, you know, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. Like I have really hard days. Like so many of you, my life has been touched by divorce as a kid, mental health issues, addiction, and financial struggles. But Disney has been a source of joy for me since my first visit. It's a place where everything seems right and how it should be, with families taking time to be together and making memories together. So even though I go now for work, it's still magical for me every single time. So I remember visiting Walt Disney World with my husband almost a decade ago and thinking, if I could just somehow provide something of value to all of these thousands of people who visit Walt Disney World every single day, I could easily support my family. 
with our modest means. And I have finally found a way to do that. So uh, as Walt Disney said, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. And I really feel like it is a dream come true, not to be cliched, but it really is for me. So thank you again for everyone who visits my site, listens to this podcast and supports my efforts in any way. I'm going to move on to some reader questions before I like start crying. (laughs) So Ian in the Budget Mouse Facebook group writes, Hi, I'm visiting Magic Kingdom at Epcot in October this year and was wondering if the gift cards I've been buying at Target can be used inside the parks for drinks, food, souvenirs, etc. I keep hearing that gift cards can only be used at certain places and for certain items. So Anne, I know of nowhere at Walt Disney World that doesn't accept Disney gift cards at this point. The only exception might be like little carts at the resorts that do like hair wraps or something similar that only take cash. But I really believe at this point that they take credit cards and anywhere in Walt Disney World that takes credit cards will also take Disney gift cards. So you can basically use them for everything, food, beverages, including alcohol, souvenirs, tours, bike rentals, tickets, parking. You can pay for um, your parking at the um, kiosk or wherever you go to pay for parking with a gift card as well. Anything you charge back to your room account with your magic band as well. And I do want to give an update on how the room charges work because it has changed recently. For trips shorter than five nights, you can visit the the front desk the night before you check out to pay off your room charges with a gift card. So if you've been using your magic band in the parks to make charges back to your room folio, it's called, you can take your gift cards, which hopefully you got at a discount. I'm going to share the link in the show notes for all my tips for getting discount Disney gift cards. And you can go to the front desk and pay off your room charges. You do have to put a credit or debit card on file to be able to make charges with your Magic Band. But if you go and pay off of those charges before they go to your credit card with your gift card, then they will never hit your credit card. I really recommend using a credit card and not a debit card because Disney has started like doing holds uh, frequently on debit cards and it is like locking up some people's money in their debit card account. And so I would just avoid that if at all possible, use a credit card as um, your card on file with your room. Now, if you have a longer visit, longer than five nights, you do have to visit on the fourth night. So this is before your fifth day because they're going to charge your credit card at that point for all of the charges up to that point. And that is a change. Also, the pulls on the debit cards is another change. So you have to visit on the fourth night, pay off what you've spent to that point with your gift card. And then from from that point on, the night before you check out would be the next time that they would charge anything to your card. So pay it off then. I hope that was not confusing. You can also use gift cards just as point of sale. So in the parks, you can use them to pay for your purchases if you don't want to mess with the magic bands and charging back to your room and what have you. On to the next question. Lisa asks, should I bring a double stroller or rent in Disney World? We are taking my seven, five, and two-year-old in May for the first time. We'll be flying there as well. I'd appreciate any suggestions from those with experience. And this was in the Facebook group that she asked this. So I would say I always bring my own stroller as opposed to renting. And that's just to save money because I'm trying to save money at Disney World and go more often. I recommend if you do bring your own stroller and you're flying to gate check the stroller, not to send it in with your checked luggage. Um, To gate check it, you take it through security, take it up to the desk that's at the gate and ask to gate check it. And they'll give you a tag 
that you put on your stroller and then you actually take it down the ramp like you're going onto the airplane and they will take it from you right before you get on the plane. So it's helpful if you have a small one who you want to keep in the stroller for your you know, ease while you're at the airport, then when you get off the plane, you have to wait a few minutes usually right there and they will bring the stroller back up to you and you take it back up the ramp and on, on your way. I recommend doing that because when I have checked my stroller with my luggage, it always ends up damaged. They really fling it around and can throw it off the airplane and what have you, but they're very, they're much more careful with it when you gate check it. Um, also, of note is there are new stroller regulations at Walt Disney World. They now have a maximum size of 52 inches long and 32 inches wide. Most double strollers will work fine, but check to make sure, I would say, before you lug your stroller down there if it doesn't meet the requirements. Um, they did this to kind of eliminate the huge stroller wagons that people were bringing to the park and also like um, these themed giant strollers that look like little princess carriages and stuff. Those are not, they, they just take up too much space and so they are kind of banning those. So I hope that answered your question about the stroller, Lisa. Okay, and last, Kristen asked in a comment on the blog on thebudgetmouse.com, uh, question, I got a breakfast reservation for six at Be Our Guest. Does everyone have to order something or could just four of us? None of us are huge breakfast eaters, but we wanted the experience. So Kristen, Be Our Guest Restaurant takes the prize as the most confusing restaurant at Walt Disney World. No other restaurant is as complicated as Be Our Guest. So it's complicated because every meal is of a different type, basically. Breakfast is considered a quick service meal. However, you need reservations and it is a fixed price quick service meal, which I don't think there's any other in all of Walt Disney World. Lunch is also considered quick service, but you need reservations. However, you can order anything you want off the menu. You can order as little or as much as you want. There's no fixed price. Dinner is now a two table service, a signature dining experience. Uh, two, takes two table service credits on the dining plan, and it's a fixed price meal as well. And it's quite pricey, I believe. I don't, I don't know, I want to get it wrong, but I think it's like $65 a person. Um, reservations for all of these are difficult to get. Now, I would say my recommendation for the best meal, especially if you want to go on a budget, is to try and get a lunch reservation. To answer your question, Kristen, uh, at breakfast, everyone who is on the reservation will be charged the price for breakfast, which is $28 for adults. And it doesn't matter if you eat or not, you will be charged. So if there's a group of six of you and only four are big eaters or what have you, I would try to get a lunch reservation as opposed to breakfast to have the experience of going to be our guest, but keeping your trip under budget. Um, it is really a better option to save money at lunch because someone could order just a cup of soup if they want, or if they've already eaten, they could just have a cupcake for dessert. And to get that difficult lunch reservation, I suggest using mousedining.com. I'm gonna link to this site in the show notes. I'm gonna also link to my review of Be Our Guest restaurant that has all of this detail in writing because it is too much to consume in a show, I think. Um, you can put a... Uh, an alert, set up an alert at mousedining.com, and it will let you know via text message if a lunch reservation opens up on the day that you're wanting one at Be Our Guest. I use this service a lot. It is free. It's amazing. And it has helped me get a lunch reservation at Be Our Guest just a few weeks before my last trip. So I hope that answered your question, Kristen, and gave you some helpful tips. 
that will wrap up this week's show. So thanks again for listening, everyone. If you haven't joined our free private Facebook group yet for listeners of The Budget Mouse and readers of the blog, please go and do that. Just search for The Budget Mouse on Facebook, find the group, ask to join, and I or another administrator will add you to the group. You can always find me on thebudgetmouse.com and thefrugalsouth.com. I'm on Facebook as The Budget I'm on Instagram as The Budget Mouse, and you can always find tips on Pinterest. So I have an active Pinterest account for The Frugal South and The Budget Mouse. The Budget Mouse is just Disney, so if you just want Disney, you could do that. Also, I'm really trying to get a YouTube channel going. I have three videos now, so if you search for The Budget Mouse on YouTube, please subscribe. I'm trying to get up to 100 subscribers so I can make a fancy custom link that's like youtube.com slash thebudgetmouse mouse instead of like a big jumble of letters and numbers, which it is right now. So please head over there and subscribe there. I will get more videos up soon. So thanks again, everyone, and have a magical day.